Well, a long time ago, back when I was uh, 18 years old, uh, I had a girlfriend, and we had known each other most of the time during uh, high school, during our studies. Uh, we, were, we were friends uh, most of that time, but at the end of high school, we began to, uh, to date. And into our first year of, uh, of, of university, we, we kept uh, on dating during that time as well, even though we were 400 kilometers apart. But after that first year of uh, university, I transferred to her university, so we were gonna be in the same place. But around that time, something changed with her. She used to be a very funny, a very uh, lively girl. She was always smiling. But right about the time I transferred, something really changed with her. She was down, she stopped sleeping, she lost weight, she kept saying she had no energy. It was like she was a different person. And at the time, I didn't know what was going on, her mom didn't know what was going on. I remember I was at a doctor's office with her and her mom, and I just remember holding her mom. Her mom was in tears, just, and she kept saying, what is wrong with my girl? And me, I had no clue. Like I said, at the time, I was 18 years old, 19 years old, and I wish I could, I could tell you today that I handled that situation really well, but, uh, but I didn't. I, maybe I said to her, hey, you know, just feel better, uh, just pray, you know, just, just have more faith. I didn't know what to do, and so eventually I started to, to withdraw. After a few months, we broke up, uh, eventually, I left that university, and we kind of went on with our lives. And I'll finish that story a bit later, uh, but this was the first time I ever encountered someone who was really, really down. Someone who, in her words, was walking in darkness. You know, a couple weeks ago, I began a, a sermon series entitled, Loving the Lord Your God with All Your mind. And two weeks ago, we looked at the origins of shame beginning back in the Garden of Eden. And this morning, I want us to look, about, look at what the Bible says about when we feel down, when we feel despair in our life, when we feel despair about our situation. And I'm choosing the word down here uh, on purpose. I could have used, used different words. I could have uh, chosen the word depression, uh, but to be honest, that word means different things to different people. I could have used the word sorrow or sadness too, but I want to kind of put all of those words under this umbrella, let's say, under the category of feeling down. I know they're all not the same thing, but for the sake of, uh, of time, I just want to group them together. And this morning, I just want to say this isn't a, uh, a sermon in which I say, you know, top five tips to make you feel better, right? This isn't one of those sermons. Instead, this is my attempt to look at people in the Bible who've walked through this dark night of the soul, to try to understand how the light of Christ was still there for them, and it's still there for you. So if you have a Bible this morning, please turn with me to the book of Psalms. Psalm number 42, we'll have the text for you uh, on the screen as well. But Psalm number 42, we know there's 150 Psalms. They're divided into five books. So in your Bible, above Psalm 42, it probably says book two. And it probably also says uh, to the choir master. 
a maskul of the sons of Korah. There's the dividing wall I mentioned. It made it. So we find uh, 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 a maskul is a psalm of instruction. And we see that this psalm comes from the sons of Korah. And back in number 16, we find the story of this person named Korah. He rebelled against God. He eventually died. However, his sons escaped, and they eventually became worship leaders for the nation of Israel. And they worshiped this psalm, which begins with one of the most famous images we find in all of the Bible. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. It says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God. You know, sometimes when we think about verse 1 or sing the song, we picture a deer kind of standing by a stream of water, drinking, and it's sort of this calm and peaceful image. But is that the picture the psalmist gives here in verse 1? I don't think so. The picture is not of the deer drinking. Rather, it's the picture of the deer panting, right? This deer is very thirsty. He longs to drink from streams of water. The deer's mouth is actually dry. And in the same way, the psalmist is saying that he feels spiritually dry. He feels spiritually thirsty. He, he knows that only God can satisfy his soul, that only God can satisfy his thirst. But in this moment, he feels spiritually dry. And he asks the question, when shall I come before God. And of course, we know God hadn't left him, but the psalmist clearly does not feel God's presence. God is there. He, know that, he knows that God is the only one who can satisfy his soul, but he doesn't feel like God is there. You know, sometimes in the Christian life, we talk about the relationship between what we believe and what we do, the relationship between our beliefs and our actions, right? The book of James says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. But I think there's also a relationship between what we believe and what we feel sometimes. I was talking to a church member about this a few years ago, someone who really struggles with feeling down at times. And he explained this to me. He said, look, I know what I believe. I know God is there. I know that he loves me. I know Jesus died for me and, and uh, uh, saved me from my sin. I know all of that. I believe all of that. But sometimes I don't feel like that. He said that when he's down there can be this disconnect between what he believes and what he feels. And I think we see that tension here even in the first two verses of Psalm 42. The psalmist knows that God only, only God alone can satisfy his soul. He longs for the living God. He simply doesn't feel God's presence. Have you ever been there? I would guess that most of us in this room have been there at some point of our lives. And some of us actually feel it more strongly than others. Let's keep reading verse 3. He says, my tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? The psalmist is in a low place, isn't he? 
And there's even a physical reaction to his feeling down. He's been crying. He says his tears have been his food day and night. He thirsts for the Lord, but his food, what he's been eating, are his tears, his misery. His diet has been nothing but sadness. And we start to see what's going on with him in in verse 3. There's a group of people who ask him all day, hey, where is your God? And as we'll see in a few verses, this wasn't a question of curiosity. These were some people who were taunting him as if to say, where is your God? Because it sure looks like he's not with you. The writer here is in hostile territory, and it's getting to him. He weeps. His tears won't stop. Why is the psalmist feeling down? One of the main factors we'll see here in Psalm 42 is because of his circumstances. This is one of the factors in how you can feel down, right? Maybe you were not where you thought you would be in life today. Maybe your current circumstances are are difficult and you don't see a way out. You know, sometimes our circumstances do make us feel down. Remember the story in the Old Testament of Job. Job was this healthy man. He was a blessed man. He feared the Lord. But then almost everything was taken from Job. He lost his children. He lost his possessions. He lost his health. Did Job just put on a smile and act like everything was okay? No, in the book of Job, we see the depths of his pain. Look at these verses with me. Job chapter 3, verse 11. Why did I not die at birth, come out from the womb, and expire? Verse 26. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. Chapter 30, verse 16. And now my soul is poured out within me, Days of affliction have taken hold of me. The night racks my bones. The pain that gnaws me takes no rest. Job's feelings were honest and raw. His circumstances were so bad that he asked the question, hey, why didn't I just die when I was born? Because the pain of his circumstances was so difficult for him to carry. You know, sometimes we feel down because of our circumstances. We also know from the Bible, sometimes we feel down because of sin. It could be our sin or the result of someone else, someone else's sin. We see this in, in Psalm uh, chapter 32, when David says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. For when I was silent, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer. David said that before he confessed his sin to the Lord, before he was forgiven, he felt like he was wasting away. He groaned all day. He says his strength was gone. You know, sometimes we feel down as a result of our sin or because of Uh, poor decisions, or we feel down because we've done something we regret. Or perhaps it's not our own sin, but we feel down because of someone else's sin that directly affects us. For example, like a married person whose spouse cheats on them. That person doesn't feel down because of their sin, but because of their spouse's sin. 
The reality is, is that we live in a sinful and broken world, and this will get us down sometimes. Of course, there are many other factors that can make us feel down. Some people just have a melancholy personality. Some people have had hard life circumstances or have experienced significant trauma. Some people feel down when they don't get much, much sunlight, a very big reality here in Poland in the winter. Sometimes there are biological factors involved, especially related to our, to our hormones or, 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 or other aspects of our body. My point is that there are many factors that can contribute to us feeling down. And many times it isn't just one factor. And here in Psalm 42, we see at least two factors, his circumstances and this distance he feels from God. Verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. The psalm is pouring out his, his, his soul to God, and he remembers better days back in Jerusalem when he would go to the house of Lord, the Lord with gladness, when he would lead others in shouts and songs of praise, when they would gather together in Jerusalem to keep the festivals and to feast together. In his tears, he remembers the good times. This can also be helpful when we feel down, can it? Remembering good times when we intimately experience God's presence and remembering good times with the Lord's people. And we can keep those memories in our mind, but sometimes it's good to, to write some of those memories down in a journal or, or whatever to save for some of these darker days. Because the truth is, it can be so easy for us to forget sometimes how God has been faithful in the past. But when we remember those moments of closeness with God, that can bring us some encouragement on the dark days that we experience beginning of verse 5, he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? The psalmist steps out of his situation and he asks himself the, the, the question, What's happening? What's wrong with me? What is going on in my soul? Why am I so down? He's, we see him, he's actually like talking to his soul. Soul, why are you down? Soul, what is bothering you. He's trying to find the, the reason that he's down. He's trying to find the source for his darkness. You know, sometimes that reason is obvious, and other times it's not so obvious. Back when I was 10 years old, I was uh, jumping around or doing something, and I, I broke my, my arm. So they had to put a cast on my arm, and after a few months, the arm was, was healed. So they took the cast off. And a few weeks after that, um, my family, we were about to go to my grandparents' house uh, for a holiday. So before that, me and my brother were throwing uh, the baseball as my parents were packing things up. So I threw him the, the baseball, and when I threw it, I suddenly felt this snap in my arm. I felt this surge of pain. I instantly knew that my arm had broke again. But my dad was still trying to get everything ready for us to leave. He didn't see what happened. I said, Dad, I, I broke my arm again. He said, no, it's probably fine. Come on, let's just get in the car and go. 
I said, you don't understand. It's, it's broken. But, you know, he's packing things, getting things ready. And he said, come on, we're, we're ready to leave. So we get in the car, and I keep telling him. I'm like, Dad, it's, it's broken. I know what, I, there's a reason this, this pain is, is there. He says, all right, fine. We'll just stop by the hospital on the way to your grandparents' house. But in his mind, everything was, was fine. But we get to the hospital. The, the doctor takes an x-ray, which showed that, yes, I had indeed broken my arm again. And, of course, my dad felt horrible about it. Probably still feels horrible about it. But it validated what I felt, right? I knew there was something wrong, even if my dad couldn't see it. And once the source of that pain was revealed, I could start to get some help. I could begin to heal. You know, a key step on the path towards healing in the darkness of life is understanding the source of our pain, the reason we feel down. As I said earlier, it could be many reasons. It could be our circumstance, it could be stress, could be our bodies. But we would do well to stop and pause and ask the Lord, Lord, why am I so down right now? Would you reveal that to me? Look at the rest of verse 5. The psalmist says, Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So this, the psalmist doesn't just stop by asking himself a question. He also gives himself an answer. He's talking to himself. He's preaching to himself. As I said a couple of weeks ago, there is, there, there is power in the stories and the narratives we tell ourselves. And that can be a, a good thing or it can be a bad thing. Usually it's a bad thing, right? It's bad when we tell ourselves over and over again, you're a failure, you're no good, no one loves you, God doesn't love you. But as believers, we know that these are lies. The Bible says that Satan is the father of lies, but our heavenly father is the truth. Therefore, we must fight for truth, we must stand for truth, we must speak the truth even to ourselves. The psalmist is telling himself to hope in God, even though his current situation feels hopeless. It's a reminder we should not put our hope in our current circumstances, which change all the time, but we should put our hope in Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's not surprised by what you're going through. He knows what you're going through, and he cares about what you're going through. And that means when we are down, we must fight for hope. We must fight for joy. We must keep telling ourselves the truth again and again and again. He says at the end of the verse, for I shall again praise him. The psalmist looks to the future and trusts that there will be a better day, right? That there will be a break from this discouragement. You know, I don't know how many times I've sat with some of you in, in the church office when you've been going through a tough time, and I've just told you, hey, I know it doesn't feel like this is going to pass right now, but this too will pass. We all need to hear that at times. Because when we are down, sometimes it can feel like it just won't end, that it just won't stop. And then those moments we must hold tight to the Lord. We must uh, 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 put our hope and faith in him. He is our salvation. He is our God. We must fight for hope. Verse 6, 
He says, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. So at the end of verse 5, he was trying to lift himself up, right? He was telling himself to hope in God that one day it would be better. But here in verse 6, he's back down again. That's kind of like life, right? We can be up and down. We can have a good day and then a bad day. We can have a good season followed by a hard season. And we can feel from that psalmist here the ups and downs of even what he's feeling in the moment. And we learn some more details about his situation. It says he's in the mountain range of Mount Hermon near the Jordan River. So we know he is far from Jerusalem. He is far from home. He's far from the dwelling place of the Lord back then. He's far from his people. And he gives us this image in verse 7 of waves crashing over him. Deep calls to deep. It's like one giant wave is coming and then another giant wave is ready to crash over him. And that's how it can feel sometimes when we feel down, right? You get through one trial, but here comes another trial. It looks even bigger coming your way. That's real. But even in the middle of this storm in these verses, the psalmist keeps his theology. Whose waterfalls are coming to him? Whose waves are going over him? He says it's the Lord's. Even in the midst of the storm, he recognizes that God is still in control. He doesn't understand why he's suffering. He doesn't understand why he's so down. But he recognizes that God is still in control. God hasn't fallen off of his throne. He can recognize that God is there in the midst of the storm. He emphasizes this again in verse 8. He says, by day, the Lord commands, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. As I said in this psalm, that he can go up and down. In verse 8, he's back up again, right? He was overwhelmed by his situation, but he still knows that God loves him. God was there, his love was there in the morning, and it was there at night when he went to sleep. And verse 8 is just a, a beautiful verse. Right? It's, it's intimate, the song, the prayer. It's quite obvious that the psalmist has built a solid foundation on the Lord. We remember Jesus' words in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Jesus said, everyone, of, uh, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And both of these examples Jesus gives us, the storm comes. Love, love. In both of these examples, the storm comes. The difference is the foundation. The wise man was ready for the storm. His house was built on the rock. Jesus says, this is the person who obeys and listens to him. The rain will fall, the floods will come, the wind will blow. As even the psalmist says, the waves will even crash over you. But if your foundation is built on Christ, by God's grace, you can get through the storms of life. You, your house, will stand. 
When did Noah build the ark? Did he build it before the storm or during the storm? Before the storm, right? The best time to build your foundation is before the storm comes. The worst time to build your foundation is in the middle of the storm. It's almost impossible. So today, if you aren't down, I encourage you, build your foundation on Christ. For when the day comes, when the waves come, the rains come, the floods come, you will be ready. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taught me, taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Psalmist is back down again. On the one hand, he acknowledges that God is his rock, but then he keeps saying, why? Why have you forgotten me? Why do my enemies keep winning? He felt like God wasn't hearing his prayers because he wasn't seeing his prayers answered. Have you ever been there? You're in a tough situation. You pray for God to get you out of those circumstances, but after some time, you're still there, and it can feel like God doesn't hear you. But we know that God always hears us. We know that he always cares, and his timing is perfect. We might not like his timing in the, perfect, in the, in the moment, but God knows what he is doing. I want to finish that story I told earlier about the girl I dated in, in high school. As I said, we eventually broke up. We lost contact. You know, life went on. And many years later, I heard this, uh, this pastor that I really respected. Uh, he talked about his battle with depression. Now, this pastor was a, a man's man, right? He was a former athlete. He was strong. He was tough. He was a hard worker. And I benefited from his teachings many times. And he gave this talk about how he went through a, a season of deep depression and what God taught him during that time. And as I listened to this pastor talk, I, I remembered my girlfriend from high school, and I thought about how I handled that situation. You know, back then, I didn't know very much. I didn't have very much sympathy and I think, as I said earlier, I think I just told her, try to feel better, maybe pray more, have more faith, whatever. Instead of being very compassionate, I just gave her some stock answers. And God began to convict me about that. And so I, I wrote her an email and, and apologized. I told her, hey, back then I was, I was ignorant. Um, I definitely could have been more compassionate. And after a couple of days, she wrote me back, and she was extremely gracious she said, hey, I don't blame you for how you handled it. None of us knew how to handle it until someone actually goes through it. There is no way to understand it. And she said that looking back at that time, she could see a lot of factors at work. There was a lot of stress in her life. A family member had died. All she did was study, study, study. She didn't make time for friends or, or social life. And so in the midst of all that, she said one, one day it just snapped and she went into this deep depression for, for six months. She went to the doctor. She met with a counselor. She got connected to a, a Christian community who prayed, for, who prayed for her. Then one day, she was at this lake. She was praying, and, and, and she said as she was praying, something changed. And in that moment, she said she just felt like the darkness began to lift from her. 
And in the email she wrote me, she said, it's crazy though, if I wouldn't have had that tough time, I don't think I would be as joyful as I am now. God never gives you anything you can't give, get through. What a statement, right? If I hadn't been through that tough time, I don't think I would be as joyful as I am now. I can guarantee you that when we were 18 or 19 years old, she wouldn't have said that in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the darkness. It's hard to have perspective when we're down. But looking back, she can see God's hand in it the whole time. You know, the truth is there are going to be times when we feel like God has forgotten us. There's going to be times when we feel like our prayers aren't heard or, or answered. There's going to be times where we ask God repeatedly, God, why, why, why? But as the saying goes, feelings are good servants, but terrible masters, which means that we must channel our feelings in a healthy way so that they don't dominate us, right? God gave us feelings and emotions. Jesus was emotional. He got angry. He, he wept. God created you and I with emotions and feelings. Emotions and feelings aren't bad. They're both good. They're given to us by God, but they should not master us. The Bible says we should have one master, and that is God. Look at me at the last verse. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. It's the same verse as, as verse 5, and I'll touch on it again in a moment. But I wanted to close with just three reflections on this psalm that will hopefully help you love the Lord your God with all your mind and help others to love the Lord your God with all your mind. The first thing I would say this morning is you are not alone. You're not alone. If today you are feeling down, if you're going through a long season of darkness, I just want to encourage you that you're not alone. Others are going through it. Others have experienced the pain and despair we find in Psalm 42. In fact, there are over 50 Psalms in the Bible that talk about pain, depression, and hopelessness. We find other people in the Bible who struggled with emotional distress. We mentioned Job, but also Elijah, King Saul, the prophet Jeremiah, and King David. Famous Christian leaders have struggled with this too. Charles Spurgeon, John Wesley, Martin Lord, Lloyd-Jones. And the pastor I, I mentioned earlier, Tommy Nelson. And uh, he wrote a book based on his experience. It's called Walking on Water When You Feel Like You're Drowning, Finding Hope in Life's Darkness darkest moments. Of course, he gets much deeper into the topic and other, gives other resources to help. Um, but we're going to get a copy of that for the church library. But if you are in a downtime right now and are interested in that book, I would love to make sure um, that you get a copy. So people in the Bible have walked through this. Famous Christians have walked through this. And as I've mentioned, I've, I've talked with a few of you in this church who have struggled with this. And I just want to say you are most welcome at Gospel Church. My hope and prayer is that this would be a safe place for you to be healed, to be restored, and I'm here to help you in any way that I can. So you're not alone. Second thing, hope in God. Hope in God. There's a saying that a person can go 40 days without food, uh, three days without water, and three minutes without air. 
but they can only last a few seconds without hope. You know, when you're down, when you're walking in the darkness, it's important to fight for hope, to remember your joy in the Lord, that that is where peace and contentment is. To remember that the Lord is there the whole time. Even when you don't feel it, you must remember that, as the psalmist said, the Lord will bring you through it, that this season will pass. And the reason I say fight for hope is because when we're down, that won't come naturally. Many times when we feel down, we don't feel like getting up. But as the psalmist did, we must preach to ourselves. We must remind ourselves to hope in God that the Lord will get us through it. For our hope is in Christ who defeated sin, death, and shame on the cross. He is the light in the darkness. No matter how dark it gets for you, the light is still there. Hope in God, for you shall again praise him. Last point this morning, and that is to be humble and compassionate to others. You know, if you don't struggle with feeling down, that's great. Praise God. But there's a really good chance that someone in your life will struggle with this or maybe is currently struggling with this. And my hope is that you'll be a little bit more prepared than I was when I was 18 years old. You know, when someone we know goes through this, there's always the temptation to try to fix it or to dismiss it and say, ah, just have more faith, just pray more. Of course, we all need more faith. We all need to pray more. But many times when people are struggling, they don't need our advice, they just need our presence and our patience. You know, in the story of Job, three of his friends came to him in his darkest moments. And if you've read about Job's friends, they were a good example on the one hand, but also a bad example. The good example is they traveled great distances from different countries to be with Job in his hard moment of need. And it says when they saw him, they barely recognized their friend. But they sat with him on the ground in silence for seven days. Not seven minutes, not seven hours. They sat on the ground with him in silence for seven days. That was amazing. That's a good example. But if you read the story of Job, you know, after those seven days of silence, his friends began to speak. They told Job that he was suffering because he did something wrong. They tried to explain the problem. They even tried to spiritualize the problem. But at the end of the book of Job, God shows up, condemns Job's friends, and says, you are not telling the truth about what happened. So that was the bad example from, from Job's friends. We would do well to follow their good example and avoid their bad example. You know, sometimes when Christians struggle with feeling down, they find more grace and compassion outside of the church than they feel inside of the church. That shouldn't be the case. Instead of trying to hypothesize and explain what's happening in those dark moments, we should try to help our friends and families and brothers and sisters remember that God is near to them that he is with them and they can draw near to our Lord. How can you love the Lord your God with all your mind? You can hope in God when you're feeling down. And remember that God will get you through it, just as he has done before. 
I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward and lead us in a song of response to God's word. We're actually going to sing the song that comes from Psalm 42, verse 1. And as we sing, we're going to have a time of invitation. If God is working on your heart this morning, we want to help you. We want to pray for you. It's an opportunity to respond to what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. This morning, if God is moving you to, to turn from your sins, to trust Jesus as Lord, I invite you to come forward. We would love to pray with you. Maybe God this morning is leading you to take a step of faith and be baptized. We invite you as well. But maybe you can really, really relate to Psalm 42 this morning. You feel like God has forgotten you. You feel like he's not hearing your prayers. You feel hopeless. You feel down. We would love just to, to pray with you to encourage you this morning. Or maybe it's something else on your heart. However God is leading, this is a time for you to respond. We'll be here in the front to meet you as you come. Let me pray for us. God, we praise you for you are a rock. God, though the storms of life may rage, your, your love remains with us through all of this life. You indeed are the God of our lives. We praise and worship you. The supreme, the supreme desire of our heart, Lord, is for you to meet with us. God, we pray that you would rescue our downcast souls God, we pray that you would teach us to remember your faithfulness and place us again in this festive assembly that we might worship you. God, as the deer pants for the water, so may our souls long for you. This is our prayer that we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.